Welcome to the Say It Out Loud podcast. I'm your host, Vasavi Kumar. If you're eager to gain clarity, speak with unwavering confidence, and liberate those inner voices, you're in the perfect spot. My mission here is to empower you to break free, find fulfillment, and ignite your passion. You ready? It's time to say it out loud. I've put together a guide of my top 10 tested and proven to work practical strategies and habits to help bright women like you say no, set your boundaries right, live confidently, and build healthy relationships, starting with the relationship you have with yourself. This is a self-paced guide, and I can't wait for you to dig into it so you can start becoming your most confident self because she's in there waiting for you. Head to the link in my show notes or go to vasavikumar.com forward slash guide and grab it today. Everyone is writing what they're still trying to learn. Everybody, Hmm. I'm telling you. So there's something so human about guiding from your experience, right? And, and, And bringing people along on your journey of discovery. Anyone that says they have it all figured out, I wouldn't follow that person. Right. Mm -hmm. Because that you just, you just don't in the human experience. Mm -hmm. So everyone that's writing is still figuring it out. And so if you wait until the moment that you feel like an expert who has it all figured out, you're going to be dead. I'd much rather learn and be influenced by someone who is flawed than someone who makes me feel less than because they act like they have it all figured out. Hello to my brilliant Being Human with Vasavi community. I'm your host, Vasavi Kumar, licensed therapist, confidence mindset expert, business strategist, and a first-generation Indian immigrant woman on a relentless mission to bring you simple and tangible actions and advice to help you step up your life and business. Get ready for unfiltered and unscripted conversations with some of the brightest and realest people I know in mental and emotional health, marketing, and business to help you get out of your head and get moving. I am super excited to share a few ways that you can work with me. You can learn more more about those at vasavikumar.com or on my Instagram page at my name is Vasavi. The first way to work with me is directly in a one-on-one VIP capacity. This is a very high-level, high-touch, personalized opportunity to dig deep with me by your side to excavate your limiting beliefs and work through whatever is stopping you from being, doing, and having anything you want. And you'll be taking a lot of action. The second way to learn from me and be surrounded by people who are committed to becoming the person they were born to be is through my membership community. Mind your own business. To join the community, head on over to VasaviKumar.com. And now it's time for another episode of the Being Human with Vasavi podcast. I believe that every single person has a book just waiting to be written inside of them. I also believe that it is 100% possible for you to really hone in on your message and your story and your wisdom and share that with the world in the form of a book, if that's something that you're looking to do. And so I am so excited to introduce you to someone that I not only invested in to help me write my book proposal, but she's now become a good friend of mine. And Rochelle Fretzen is someone who goes above and beyond in her coaching and consulting company where she helps and anchors and amplifies authors through their book proposals, platform building, and strategic book launches. I actually signed up to work with her in her book proposal blueprint coaching program. It was a 13-week program. It was by far the best investment I ever made. 
And so she has one-on-one coaching and group programs and she helps people get clear, right? I'm going to say that again. She helps people get clear on their core book concepts and guides them to create the impact they desire. Her clients include, get ready for this, New York Times bestselling authors, as well as first-time authors who have garnered book deals from top publishers such as Random House, Simon & Schuster, um, Tarcher Perigee, and also Little Brown. She's soon to launch her very own podcast called Bound and Determined, where she interviews publishing industry veterans, authors, and more. I am beyond excited for you to get to know her and just really really just understand this gem of a woman. And what I love about her is that she truly sees the potential in every single person that she works with. And she believes that right now you probably have a book inside of you waiting to be written. So without further ado, here's another episode of the Being Human with Vasavi podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Being Human with Vasavi podcast. Y'all, I'm so excited because, okay, so this is totally an unsolicited, uh, how do I say this unsolicited pitch for the woman that I'm about to interview? So first, just a little backstory. Uh, and I'm sure many of you can resonate with this. If, you know, if you're a listener of this podcast, you know that I, I, I'm always talking about sharing your knowledge, your wisdom, your experiences. And so I've always wanted to write a book. Um, and the first step to doing that is to write your book proposal. And so I feel like when the universe hands you an opportunity to get that done, you do not need to be thinking too hard about it. So uh, I'm happy to say that I did get my book proposal done. And if it was not for Rochelle Fretzen of Purposeful Platforms, um, who's my guest today, I wouldn't have gotten that shit done. And so Rochelle, hello. Thank you so much for being here on the Being Human Philosophy podcast. How are you? What an opener. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> I I think it's so important that we're here having this conversation because one of the things that you and I have talked about that you know you find that, that you are so passionate about talking about is how people really uh, don't think that they have what it takes. They don't have the potential uh, to be able to write a book. And you're here to say that is absolutely not true. Yeah. And it's funny because every consult call I get on, the first words out of someone's mouth are, I'm not a writer. I don't know what I'm not a writer. I don't identify as a writer. I have lived experience. I have trained expertise. I have a thriving business, but I'm not fill in the blank. Like they want to call themselves out first. And, and it's funny because I, I think that it's really relatable to let our self-talk get in the way. Um, but everyone has the potential to write a book. It's smart for people to write a book. It's the best way to up level. It's the best way to get new people into your business through a relatively low price point offering. Right. Mm -hmm. And we can dive further into that, but it really is, um, It's true. I think people start off needing a little bit of confidence in the fact that what they know is worthy of more attention and worthy of being heard and read by the masses. So I want you to first share a little bit about why are you the perfect person? Just, you know, your, your background isn't too shabby. Okay. So let's (laughs) share a little bit with the audience about why you're, you're the, I think, first of all, I believe that you're the most qualified person to help people write their book proposals, build their platforms. But I'd love to hear from your mouth because I'm, I'm always saying that women really need to brag on themselves. You have to identify your own strengths and share that unapologetically because when you're in business for yourself, nobody's going to come knocking on your door at first, right? Like you have to first identify why you are the most qualified person to help people do the thing. So why, in your opinion, are you the most qualified person to help people with their book proposals? 
What is it about you? Just a little something. First of all, sorry for the sirens in the background. I am based in New York City, which feels like the best time to say that as some hoopla is going down down on the street. Um, But I have been in publishing for 20 years now. My career before that was a brief stint in PR and marketing of um, big, big product lines, i.e. Sony, McDonald's, Chicken of the Sea, Tuna. Um, And I I very quickly realized that's not the work I wanted to do. And I've always been very heart-led. I've always been um, intuition-led. And so I, I knew very early on in my career that this was not something that I wanted to be doing. And I, I very much stumbled into book publishing as the person who never read a book cover to cover in school. I was like the queen of cliff notes. Just give me the short track. I did not, honestly, my parents laughed when they heard that I went into publishing um, because I just wasn't, um, I wasn't a big reader. It wasn't what I wanted to be doing. I ended up falling in love with the potential of people. I really just loved the energy of being able to help people uh, take what they know and and bring it to a bigger stage. So I spent 15 years um, as the head of PR and marketing within Hay House. Um, you know, launched hundreds of best selling books. Worked with some really great uh, big talent, great leading voices, and then in 2018 started my own business when I really wanted to take my, you know, the many hats that I wore over the years in PR and marketing and acquisitions and do the sort of one piece of the pie that really filled me up, which is book proposals and platform coaching. So um, it was a very, very seamless next step for me. And I just love being able to, to mold and curate and help people present them their best selves onto the page. You know, I um on the Being Human Philosophy podcast, I love to give a little bit of both. I love to talk about the strategy of you know how to do the thing, right? We always want to know how to do the thing, and I think that's very important. But I also really love to go deep into the mindset, right? Because if you do not have a mindset of possibility and greatness, and if you're not breathing life into your own possibility and your greatness, it doesn't matter. You could lay out every single step in front of someone and it doesn't mean shit. It doesn't, because if you don't believe in yourself, it doesn't matter. And so I want to get into the mindset, but I do just want to ask you uh, just so we can touch on the strategy piece. In your opinion, what separates a, uh, sorry, what distinguishes uh, a good book proposal from a great book proposal in your opinion? Mm, Great question. Honestly, personality is a big piece of it. I used to get so frustrated reading proposals um, and feeling that they were just meh. You know, like they're okay. Do I really want to meet this person? I don't know. I felt just really a sort of neutral feeling towards it. And then I would meet them in person and go, oh my God, like you're, you're dynamic. Your energy is amazing. Like where were you in this document? And so the first step is really, you know, when I, when I, kick off with clients, it's that brain dump component, right? Because the first step is getting everything onto the page that you think you want to say and looking at it and going, oh my God, I know a lot of stuff. I have a lot of experience. I have a lot of stories I want to share. So the first step is that acknowledgement. Um, and then from there, it's really my job to help people bridge and marry what they know with what's marketable. 
And the personality is a big piece of that because the truth is nothing out there is new anymore, unless you're writing about new science or tech or something like that. So the biggest piece of the pie is getting people to understand how they can stand out in a very noisy market. Let's take a quick break. Having been in therapy since the age of 12, I know firsthand just how powerful the process of finding the right therapist is. Going to therapy and talking things out with my therapist has made me happier, clearer, and most importantly, I have a plan for my mental health. I have tools to be able to communicate with others and also the tools to cope when life gets hard, which it does. So let me ask you a question. Is something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? Regardless if you have a clinical mental health issue like depression or anxiety, or if you're just a human who lives in this world who is going through a hard time, Therapy can give you tools to approach your life in a very different way. And that's why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp's mission is to make therapy more affordable and more accessible. And this is an important mission because finding a therapist can be really hard, especially when you're limited to the options in your area. BetterHelp is a platform that makes finding a therapist easier because it's online, it's remote, and by filling out a few questions, BetterHelp can match you to a professional therapist in as little as a few days. It's easy to sign up and get matched with the therapist. There's a link in my description. It's betterhelp.com forward slash Vasavi. That's betterhelp.com forward slash Vasavi. Clicking that link helps support this podcast, but it also gets you 10% off your first month of BetterHelp so you can connect with the therapist and see if it helps you. And because finding a therapist is a little like dating, if you don't really fit with that therapist, which is a common thing with therapy, you can easily switch to a new therapist at no additional cost without stressing out about insurance, who's in your network, or anything like that. I don't know where I would be without the help of therapy and my therapist, but I do know that life would feel that much harder. So if you're struggling, consider online therapy with BetterHelp. Click the link in the description or visit betterhelp.com forward slash Vasavi. Thank you again, BetterHelp, for supporting this podcast. You know, as someone who has worked with you, and this is, I swear to God, you guys, this is, you know, I was not uh, asked to say this. I'm just, I have to (laughs) give a shameless plug though here, because I, even as strong of a mindset as I have, and I truly believe in myself, when it came to writing uh, my book proposal, I had all the feelings about it. I'm like, oh, I'm not good enough. I don't have a big enough platform. Um, And I I had a a little bit of imposter syndrome, right? It was very... The, the biggest thing that you helped me with, Rochelle, was really step into the teacher role um, because that feeling of like, I'm not expert enough, or if I make a mistake, everyone's going to think I'm a mess up or I'm a fraud. You know, you really helped me see on our very first call of our 13-week program together, the group, the, the, the group book proposal coaching program, when we did the brain dump, you really helped me see that I do have so much that I can teach and share. Um, yeah. And so you really, and, and I say this to all my clients, even in my mastermind, like you just need somebody else to see it sometimes, right? Yeah. I mean, you have it. You just need someone to extract it. And you definitely brought that to the table. Um, and so I love that you say that the distinct, the distinction between a good and great proposal is personality. And so now let's get into the mindset, because I think these three components that we're about to get into is what stunts people's personality, right? These three yeah. things that we're going to get into is the reason why most people do not share their personality. So what are the three things that stop people from truly harnessing and and fulfilling their potential and really sharing their personality 
through their book proposals. Yeah. So I, I bring them up as points of resistance because I think number one, they're common. I haven't met a single person who hasn't experienced this. And the way I really started talking about these is funny because I was brought in to teach in someone's mastermind and I had this whole PowerPoint ready called the business of becoming an author. And it was all the, the to do's, you know, what the publishers are looking for, you know, what um, the PR teams are looking for, what the agents want to be hearing. Like it was all like the down to brass tacks information. And for one minute at the top of that presentation, I talked about the emotions of becoming an author. When I opened it up for Q and a at the end of that whole PowerPoint, the only thing people wanted to talk about was the emotional component. Mm -hmm. So I went, okay, this is something here. And so I started identifying it with clients. So the first point of resistance is overwhelm, Mm -hmm. right? This is just like, where do I begin? Who do I talk to? Do I need help? Um, You know, how do I stand out? You know, just the, all the, the logistical questions people have that give them an excuse to just not move forward right? It's like being paralyzed in the not knowing. So the overwhelm component is big and usually the first one I tackle and how I like to show up and be really clear about how I want to move people from point A to point B, A to Z, all the way through the process, um, and really be a support system so that they don't have to be left guessing. The second point is vulnerability. Wait, right? I, I just want to say something oh. about the overwhelm as someone who gets easily yes. overwhelmed. And, you know, as your star student, Rochelle, I'm just going to point myself as that. Um, one thing that you did really well and that you do really well is on the very first group call, I remember feeling so anxious because I'm like, holy shit, I've just dropped a, a significant investment. It is a significant investment. And for those of you listening, I don't want you to use that as a deterrent. I actually want, I'm saying that because it's an, it's, it's honest, right? And if uh, I, it is an investment in yourself and in your um, willingness to really put yourself out there. But one thing that you did really well on the group coaching call, the very first one is that you laid out what are the aspects of a book proposal, right? What is the first thing we're going to be working on? Then then this, then this. And so for all of you who are listening, you're like, oh my God, I don't even know where to begin. That's the part that I thought, I mean, you did all of it well, uh, really were there supported. But like, I remember seeing, okay, so we have 13 weeks together. We're yeah. going to do this and we're going to do, and that for my anxious mind immediately calmed my nervous system. And I'm like, okay, I think I can do this. Yeah, it's important to have the bird's eye view. Like this is where we're going, but also my formula is a little bit unique. So people can go online and find a template for a book proposal easily. And so you can see what the components are. But I think getting the best thing onto the page is actually going out of order. So I don't move through the book proposal from part A to part B to part C to part D, I go out of order because I think that trying to do certain parts of the proposal without first uh, detailing what you want to teach and what stories you're going to tell is really, really hard. So for those of you listening that are trying to navigate this on your own, um, you can certainly do a good chunk of it, but it's better to get help to move through the sections in a way that makes sense. Yeah, I'm I'm always going to say get the help, right? Because the 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 reason why it's so important to get help is because uh, our mind can trick us into thinking that what we have to say isn't important. Oh, this is too much. I'm showing too much of myself. Am I being to this? And so really having someone, first of all, what I love is I love that you admitted that like, even when you were younger, you never read a book cover <laughs> to cover. And I think the reason why I picked working with you is because you you really got the business side of selling a book because 
Yeah. It is really a book business. A, you're is. in the business of selling books. And so you really come in and you help me and I, and I know you help the rest of us in, in this uh, year's cohort, really like look at the actual marketing and look at the strategy of how we're going to take this and position it. So yeah. uh, I'm just going to keep interrupting you just so I can keep, you know, no, I love uh, it. bragging on you because I, 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 I cannot endorse something enough. You know what I mean? If, if, if it has truly helped me, I have to like, I need everyone to know about it. So we talked about the overwhelm, bird's eye view. What's the second thing uh, that you see? Get in yeah, there. and what you just mentioned is the perfect segue. So vulnerability is the second piece, right? Because as we up-level, as we start to really put things in their permanence, right, down onto the page, mm-hmm. um, there's weight to that, right? And And I was having a conversation with a girlfriend this morning that she's like, we're working on some branding things and she's like, you know, explain to me in like layman's terms, like where you move people, like how you work with them. And we came up with these two terms, anchor and amplify. Hmm. When you're anchoring, right, there, that's where the emotions are. It's like the confidence to put what you know you want to write onto the page. It's the confidence of, of knowing that lived experience is as valuable as trained experience. Mm-hmm. And, and we talked a lot about that in this most recent cohort. Um, but it's also acknowledging and not bypassing the feelings that come up around being seen. Because books are different than online courses. It's different than uh, a webinar or something digital, right? It's more permanent. It's legacy. It's it's concrete, right? It lives on for a long time. So sometimes people feel the weight of that and steer away from doing it because it will require them to face some of their emotions and be vulnerable. But vulnerability is so good Mm. in getting the best books written, truly. So if you can reconcile that emotion and embrace it and know that it's there, but not let it stop you, you're going to be in a really good position. So the vulnerability piece is huge. So I know that um, sometimes, and I know I hear this with my clients and my mastermind who want to share their personal story. and, And I'm sure maybe you've heard this from clients where they're afraid of putting things out on down on paper because they're afraid their family's going to see it. Or they're like, I don't want my mom to get (laughs) mad that I'm sharing the story. You know, I'll be really honest with you. Uh, My mom knows that I obviously was in this uh, program (laughs) and she goes, she calls me Vachi. That's what my family calls me. She's like, Vachi, uh, I hope you don't say, oh my God, I can't believe I'm whipping out the Indian accent, but that's how she says it. She goes, Vachi, I hope you don't say anything that is not true. And I'm like, why would I lie? And she goes, well, I just don't want people to think that I'm a bad mother. And I go, I would never portray you in that way. Number one, number two, that's not, that's not responsible for me. Right. And I've, I've uh, gotten to a certain point in my life where I don't blame my parents for anything. It's right. They did the best part of the experience, part of the experience. So how do you help your clients? I, cause I know people right now are thinking this like, Oh, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus and how much should I share? And, And, you know, just kind of, you know, reconciling with that piece. It comes up a lot. And and I think because especially the space that I work in is right. Personal meets prescriptive. That's my sweet spot. Right. So I'm using our stories to help inspire and educate other people. And so everyone has trauma, right? Everyone has something that's led them on their journey. So everyone has something sensitive to talk about. And I always share, you know, it's best to, to open up as much as is necessary to get the point across, Mm -hmm. right? So for the reader to understand the emotion, 
the reader doesn't really care whether it's your mom or your aunt, right? They're reading it and they're filling in their own experience, truly. So you can share as much or as little as you want, but you also want to get the point across. So if that's going all in, that's going all in. Um, I have a client who's wrapping up her proposal and she said, I'm going to have to make a call to my father before this book comes out in the world because I really I really laid it out. And she said, but I needed to do that because I needed my audience and my readers to understand my experience and know that they're not alone. So for her, it was laying it all out. For some people, it's changing names, it's changing, you know, relative, or maybe if it was a male friend, now it's a female friend, whatever it is. Um, There's ways to get the point across without also putting yourself in harm's way. Um, But it's really a personal choice. Yeah, it's not, I mean, I'm thinking about context versus content, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's not always about the details, right? It's not. It's really about the bigger messaging, the bigger lesson learned, and that's really up to every author to discern what they want to put out there. Yeah. Well, it's like Untamed, right? And and that was such a a hit because so many people read these little short stories and and went, oh my gosh, I think about the time when right? Mm-hmm. That something like this happened to me. And this is the whole point of shared experiences. They're reading your words. Yes. They're assigning it an emotion from their own life, right? So it's just about making sure that they're on the same page with the emotion and what you want to do with that emotion. Yeah. I think that's something that you do. Uh, you're, you're very good at helping people navigate through throughout the program is really what's necessary and what's not. I know when you were kind of going through my own you know, proposal, there were things that you're like, oh, you don't really need to say this, or this is redundant. And I'm really appreciating that feedback, because in our mind, we either go from this is not important, I'm, I'm going to leave it out. And that's where you come in to help dig a little bit, right? Yeah. And then there are parts where you're like, you don't actually need this, this is not your entire biography. Do you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> so like, I, I always like to live according to like, need to know basis, what do you absolutely need to know in order yeah. for me to impact you think differently, feel differently, and act differently. So um, I have a friend that calls me no chaser because she's like you (laughs) she said because you give it to people you tell them what other people aren't telling them which I think is very true because we can't get to the gold unless someone's giving it to you straight but also it's for your own best interest and your own growth and so I have to be really honest because the whole point of working with someone is to to try and fast track the process a little bit, right? So if I know down the line exactly what an agent's going to look for and exactly what a publisher is going to ask you, I want to make sure you're answering all those things. I want to make sure you're nailing it, especially if you're coming from working with me. So um, yeah, the no chaser thing made me laugh because it's true. It's like, it's, it is some tough love. And what's also great about what you bring to the table, and I, I want everyone to hear this, is that uh, well, I'm going to I'm going to sound redundant, but like you being on the business side, it's like you know the questions that are going to be asked when the proposal's in front of the publisher, right? So you can yeah. you're you're basically um, helping us kind of answer those questions already and not have to. F- be all rejected and be like, Hey, listen, yeah. fill in the gaps here. So that's really what you bring to the table. I love that. I love that you, you, you are in the business side of it as well. I Definitely. was on the other side of the table for 15 yeah. years. Right. So I, I, I was that person that was reviewing your proposal. Yeah. So it just gives me a leg up to really get people to be doing all the right things and also honor their process. I love that. And, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I can go on and on, but we're going to get to the third thing Let's now. Let's go about, to the third thing. The well, third. Because I think we, I think we can oh. go really deep into this third thing. What's the third thing that stops people? <laughs> Comparison. 
it's looking around and going, oh, so many people are already writing about this or so-and-so in my Instagram feed already did this or, oh, I don't know enough about this to write, or my experience isn't valid or, and I don't mean to say it in that tone, but I see it especially from women and it bums me out because like I said, nothing is new anymore. Your experience is what makes it new. So we really have to shut out the noise. And I, part of the onboarding, I'm not sure if you remember this, part of the onboarding material for the book proposal blueprint is that social inventory, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like the first step to combating the comparison is to take a deep dive into your social channels, the people you know, your professional relationships, and find out what they really want from you right? This is how we start to amp ourselves up because I can identify through instinct what your greatness is, but unless you realize it, we're going to be at a stalemate. So the more you can dive in and go, okay, here's what people are always asking me. Here's how I really show up my best. You're going to go through that process of healthy comparison. It's also why I tell people go on Amazon, put search terms in for what you want to talk about and see what else is out there. Not to deter you from writing the book, but once people start looking and reading those Amazon descriptions and reading the reviews, they go either one, oh my gosh, I could have done this so much better. Mm. And that's great. Or number two, they didn't address this piece of it. And I wish they would. It would have been so much more impactful. This part was important to my journey. They didn't talk about it. Three, my tone is totally different. My tone of writing, my tone of speaking, my tone of teaching is totally different. So we, we flip comparison from being a negative thing, a paralyzing thing, to being the fire that moves us into our book proposal. I want to say that that was probably, so that part, when we first started the social inventory, uh, really made me see, you know, wow, people do come to me for one of two very specific things. And then also when we had to do the comparative analysis, which is one of the sections in the book proposal, I, uh, I did not feel at all, and I think it's because I done the social inventory in the very beginning. I didn't look at some of the biggest books that I was comparing my book proposal to and thought less of myself. In fact, I saw just gaps that I could fill. Also, right. the thing that people, and I'm sure you hear this all the time, is like, oh, it's already been said or it's already been written about. I always feel like, you know, unless it's been done by you, it hasn't been done, right? So yes, it's yep. been done by somebody else, but you haven't done it. You ever find well, that? Go look at all the best-selling books that are on your bookshelf right now. None of those are groundbreaking material, No. but it's the tone in which they're taught. It's the voice. It's the stories. It's all the layers that make something really good. It's never just one thing. So it's so important to not look around and go, there's no space for me. You look around and go, I know exactly what hole I'm going to fill. That's the whole point is identifying the wedge that you want to jump up in. So uh, I'm going <laughs> to, this. I don't know if you get this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. You talked about tone, right? Maybe one of the things that, uh, that will set your book proposal apart or in-person writing is the tone. I'm going to ask a very simple question and you're going to be like, I don't know, but how do we find our tone? Let me preface it with this. I have a lot of people when that come to me and this is going to sound really sad. It's like, Vasavi, I don't know who I am, right? Like this is, th that's literally the only thing stopping you from showing up with your full personality and your tone and, and your tone of voice. What do you recommend for people listening right now who maybe, you know, maybe Rochelle, they're not ready to write a book right now, right? Maybe they got to focus on other things, but even when it comes to writing a social media caption yeah, or, 
Yeah, or a blog or an email. How, what do you recommend people do to find their tone? Listen to yourself talk, right? So, I mean, and I know, know, so I remember with you too, I think, and this is, you're not alone in this, but the pressure of the book proposal or whatever you're writing can sometimes feel so great that you become mechanical and rigid because you're trying to prove how much you know, and there's no greater way to lose your voice than to try and prove yourself. So the best thing to do, I'd be like, you're so say it like it is boss. Like you are just like, you are going to call it out. You are going to name it. You're going to work through it. You're going to, you're going to sit in the mirror and you're going to talk about it. And so this is ultimately how you moved through parts of the proposal that felt challenging for you is you talked it into your phone. And there are people who have written their entire books by voice memoing. Truly, because there's no better way to sound like yourself than to just fully be in yourself. There is no, we're going to say that again. There is no better way to, to sound sound like yourself than to fully be in yourself than to be fully, fully be in yourself. And I got to say this, that one of the biggest uh, beliefs that I had, I, I, and I, it was a limiting belief was I remember dictating um, parts of my book proposal, like right in the Google doc, there's an, a way to do that. And on my phone. And I remember when I saw the transcription, I thought to myself, truly, I thought, I thought this about myself. I go, I'm so much, I am so much to handle. Like I am so intense. And I remember having to shift my perspective around it. So what if I'm too intense? Who too intense according to who? That's you know, right. and so it's like I, and I realized that the person I was the most intense for was me. Mm-hmm. And then there's like another layer of like Voss, you got to learn to be okay with how much you feel and how yeah. deeply you feel. Um and so it, it's it's almost like therapy. It is, I say this all the time. <laughs> I say I'm part therapist. It's no, true really because yeah. because I think too um when we hear ourselves, like you said, is where all of our own stuff comes up. We want to self-edit. But the truth is you're writing your book for your community first and foremost, and you've already been communicating with your community. And if your book has a different tone, you're, you're, you're not giving the right product to your community, mm-hmm. right? They, they follow you because they resonate with your voice. They resonate with whatever the too much you think is. Mm-hmm. They are there for that. Because they probably see it in themselves. They admire you for being fully yourself on social media and in your podcast and everything else you're doing. So if you write a book that's not in that tone, you've left them out of the equation and you're writing it for them. And so when publishers look at your book proposal, you know, one of the first things they do is is go on your social media. I know because this was my role. Mm-hmm. Go check you out on social. Go look at the way that your website language um, is done, the blogs that you're doing, and ask, how are you showing up as a teacher? How is she showing up in the teacher seat, which is why people hear me say the teacher seat over and over and over again. And I have clients email me months after we're finished working together going, I got in the teacher's seat today and be really proud of themselves because it's such a mental shift to see yourself as an expert. Hey there, this is Vasavi and my membership community, Mind Your Own Business, is the official sponsor of the Being Human with Vasavi podcast. Have you been looking for a community of people who get you, who think like you, and who are determined to becoming the person they were born to be? I'm talking no fluff, direct, real, and a raw community of people who are open-minded and willing to be honest with themselves and be the ultimate creators of their own life. 
then I'm inviting you to join my subscription-based membership community, Mind Your Own Business, a community of people who you can turn to, to seek insight from, and give back to. And I'll be there by your side, leading bi-weekly, monthly membership calls that'll get you inspired, motivated, and on fire to go after anything you want. Join today by heading over to VasaviKumar.com. The biggest, the biggest gift that uh, working with you has given me, and I've said this to you over our IG DMs and texts, uh, other than the completion of my book proposal, the biggest gift is giving myself permission to be the teacher. Let me share why that was so hard for me. I really thought I had embraced my own imposter syndrome. In fact, I'm freaking teaching a class on this in two days. You know, we're, you know, we're recording this in January, but I did not realize how much of my own imposter syndrome I was dealing with. Because when you were saying that throughout the book proposal program, coaching program, get in the, get in the teacher seat, very first thought that I had was, but I've gone through so much in my life. Who am I to be a teacher? Right, because we have this idea that a teacher needs to have it all together. I'll tell you where this comes from, Rochelle. I think um, in the in the in the Indian culture, in the Hindu culture, we have gurus and we have swamis, you know, who are clothed in orange that we listen to, and they are like the you know holier than thou type of teachers reading our scriptures. And I think there's this we elevate human beings in our culture, and I never liked elevating human beings because from a very young age. Um, we would have to touch the feet of our elders and our teachers. And it, for me, I understand the respect aspect, but I always felt that we were putting people on pedestals. And then like we had this, you know, uh, we were idolizing them. And I didn't, mm. I never wanted to be idolized. And I think that's why I have struggled with fully owning my teacher seat because I have a fear. If you pedestal me or you idolize me or you expect me to be your teacher, then I can't fuck up that I can't be human. Do you ever hear this? <laughs> I've worked with some of the biggest teachers in especially the self-help motivational, even in, in medical fields. And everyone is writing what they're still trying to learn. Everybody, hmm. I'm telling you. So there's something so human about guiding from your experience, right? And, and, and bringing people along on your journey of discovery Anyone that says they have it all figured out, I wouldn't follow that person, right? Mm -hmm. Because that you just you just don't in the human experience. Mm -hmm. So everyone that's writing is still figuring it out. And so if you wait until the moment that you feel like an expert who has it all figured out, you're going to be dead, <laughs> right? There just that yeah. moment won't come. And but there is value in owning your experience, and experience doesn't mean credentials. Credentials are great. But like we talked about in Voss, when we were building out your book, there's probably, it's probably 70% personal experience, 30% trained experience. And I think, yeah, yeah don't you think? 100%, you know, I worked hard for the letters after my name, but yeah. who I am today, I did not learn that in the classroom. I learned that out on the streets, on these streets, like yeah. literally out on these streets, fucking up, making mistakes, consciously hoeing it up, you know, just ma by making all the mistakes that I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Now I get it. Now I understand that I should trust myself. I did not learn that at, at Columbia University. I learned, yeah, I mean, honestly, sometimes I'm like, what did I learn in school? Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? I, it's true. I mean, the lived experience is so much more powerful because it, that's where you, um, that's where the greatest risk comes 
I think we learn the most when we put the most on the line too. Yes. So, um, I say that again, Rochelle, we learn the most when we put the most on the line. line. Is that what I said? Yeah, no, it was was brilliant. Really good. Yeah. (laughs) We learn the most when we put the most on the line. I, that's, When when we're taking those risks. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, that not connecting to the teacher seat is a really common emotion, which is why that, that comparison syndrome and the imposter syndrome and all that stuff stops great teachers. I'm calling them teachers from writing books. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's just a bummer. So, you know, the best thing to do is just, even if you on your own wanted to do a brain dump of all the lived moments and the learned moments that, lend itself to the topic you want to write about and you'll have pages and pages and you can look at it and go, Oh my gosh, I have a lot to say. I have a lot of wisdom to share. Yes. The brain up, definitely getting it out of your head and your heart and onto paper. And that's what you help with so beautifully is to take the dump, right. And then make sense out of the dump and actually design the dump in a way that's going to be a marketable book proposal. So you're and look all the time. Okay. I tell people it's not the time to write a book yet. And there's a reason, this is also part of my, my no chaser uh, approach is because I've worked with people who had they let that idea marinate a little bit more, they would be writing from a place of wisdom instead of a place of knowledge. Mm -hmm. There's a difference, right? There's the time to d- develop. And so sometimes I'll speak to really young folks who want to write from the tone of having figured it all out. And there's, there's so much in the lived experience. And this is not anything against like the, the 20 somethings that want to write books. Cause there's a lot of value there too, that, to speak to your own market, but someone that writes a book when they've experienced something when they're 20 and someone that writes one in their forties and fifties has a world of experience in between. I'm working with this great woman who's writing a book on how she, um, she's writing a sales book essentially. Mm -hmm. Right. And she does very well in her business. And she said, I could have written this book 10 years ago. It would have been a totally different book. And I would have really led people in the wrong direction (laughs) because the amount that I learned in the past decade is what makes me really good at what I do. So there's also knowing when the right timing is for yourself and for your business to write the right book. I don't know if my audience knows this, but my book proposal, well, you know this, I wrote my first book proposal, uh, I believe it was 2013, so eight years ago. And when I look back on it, and I remember you told me, because I said to you, I'm like, Rochelle, I already have a book proposal that I wrote, I did all this, maybe I can just kind of use from that. You were like, no, start from scratch. And I'm so happy I took your advice, you know. Poor little 28-year-old Vasavi, uh, 29-year-old Vasavi at that time. Uh, I went back and I reviewed my old book proposal and I was so uh, innocent and and naive because I had yet, I, I had not gone through uh, a divorce. I had not gone through my my issues with addiction and recovery and toxic relationships. I hadn't gone through anything. I just knew that I had so much knowledge. And so now it's I can tell the difference between the knowledge and the wisdom. Um writing the book proposal from scratch this time, I didn't care what I sounded like. I know I had my issues of like, is this too much? But I was just like, oh my God, I need people to hear this. And and I, I didn't hold back. I was very unfiltered. When I tried to write this book proposal when I was younger, um, and I'm not saying if you're young, you can't write a book proposal, yeah, right? Like just, just like you were saying, Michelle. But I noticed that, you know, I, I remembered the experience. I hired someone to write my book proposal for me. That's how you can tell the difference. Because I didn't yeah. really think I had what it takes 
what, what, what I needed to write this. And also I found myself being like, Ooh, that's too much. I don't want to say it that way. And this time I didn't give a shit. I was like, I'm just laying it all out on the table. Yeah, you don't need to pass it through a filter. <laughs> so I know you have your next round coming up. Uh, so when do you start the next round of purposeful platform? Like sometime in February, right? February 16th is the next, uh, book proposal blueprint. Um, and I will run it three times this year in okay. 2021. So if um, there is a wait list on purposefulplatforms.com. So anyone that doesn't get in to this current February um, group, there will be another one, another two coming. Um, and I think it's just, it, it's just a really unique process. And, and I say this to everyone that writes a book proposal, whether through me or anybody else, that it's a deep unveiling and it sounds cheesy, but it's true because going through this process is going to dissect personal emotions, you know, business ventures. You're going to get ideas for where your business is going to up level through this work. It's just really cracks people open. And so it's really an honor and a privilege to be with people in that process. I want to talk about the results. Okay. So when this episode airs, it's going to, your, your, your book proposal program would be starting in five days when this airs. Okay. So I know this is yep. airing. Uh, and so now y'all know that I, I do record ahead of time, but this, this is going to air February 11th and um, five days. It may not seem like a long enough time to make a decision, but what I do want you to hear what I do really want to get across is this. If you're listening to this and you've had this burning desire inside of you, Maybe you never sign up for, you know, Rochelle's book proposal program, but what I would l at least love for you to do, and I don't know if you're open to this, Rochelle, is at least get on the phone with Rochelle. At yeah. least start that process, right? You never know. And because you are a no chaser kind of gal, you will openly say whether or not, you know, join the program or don't, or you're ready or you're yep. not. And there are other things you can be working on. I just, I really just want everyone to hear this. Like give yourself a fighting fair chance. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And give me, or DM me on Instagram, you know, Rochelle Fredson is the handle. I get in conversation with people all the time there. Um, and if the, you know, and the, and the timing is a big piece of it. And I will be honest about when that timing feels right for you. Um, and in the, in between, I'm launching my own podcast in the end of February. Sure are. So I'll be teaching there too. So I always, I just want to um, give people as much information as I can so that they can make the best decision for themselves too. Um, but I, I always love connecting with people. So happy to do that. I want to say uh, one thing about what you what you just mentioned about being cracked open. When I think about the results, right? I'm a very results driven person, but I I, it, I always look at results in two ways. I look at it in terms of tangible, and I look at it in terms of intangible. So the obvious tangible result of joining your program was that I finally completed it. I have what sixty something, I think almost seventy pages of a of a of a book proposal, one that I I wrote. I wrote like I. I I was kidding. Be like, are these my words? And I just remember. <laughs> you did great. Thank you. I remember the day that I signed up. I, I that set in motion a domino effect. Right. I uh, rearranged. I redecorated my entire second bedroom to be an office because I'm like, if I'm going to be writing, I need space. So I converted my second bedroom into an office. Um, and I actually also started making more money after that because I really felt I like I, then I created the office. Then I had this like million dollar office, right? I felt like I was in my, my like millionaire mindset. And then I started bring, putting out more content and being more uh, just sure of myself, right? It's just one action will lead to other actions and feelings. But the intangible result that I really like the biggest shift for me is really allowing myself to be human and guide from my personal experience and realize that while I 
I may have my issues, which I do, and I'm pretty open about it. There's still a lot that I have learned that I can teach from. And so really like removing this need to be perfect with everybody, sharing all the parts of myself, you know, and, 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 and really using my experience and being a teacher and turning it into a teachable moment. Yeah. I never did that before. I didn't do that. No, I didn't do it consistently. But because of your program, I've been doing it consistently. Thank you. And look, I'd much rather learn and be influenced by someone who is flawed than someone who makes me feel less than because they act like they have it all figured out. And, and there are people out there doing that. Um, and you know what? No, no shame to them. But I think that in the long haul of building businesses and writing books, and you're going to write more than one book, um, you know, it's, it's so important to just be really transparent. And I think that that's when people really feel seen and when they really respond to the work. Thank you for saying that. And I think we need to hear more of that because we hear that all the time, right? Like people want to learn from people that are flawed. And then there's this kind of, well, I want to ask you this. Do you find that there, there's a subset of like audience that wants to learn from a perfect person? Like, do you, cause I don't, I don't have people that come in my circle that way. The people that are attracted to me really love the level of like honesty that I bring to the table. Do you know of people that are looking for a perfect teacher and a perfect yeah. mentor? Yeah, I mean, um, I think that people fall in love with the image of the perfect mentor. I don't, I don't know any mentors. And I've, look, I've worked with a lot of big teachers. Everybody's flawed. Whether they talk about it publicly or not is another thing. I have another level of respect for people who live their same life in front of the camera as they do behind it. And so all the time I will get on consult calls with people saying, I want to be the next XYZ, mm-hmm. right? Enter, na- enter the name. Um, and I say, they're already taken. You know what I mean? And that is mm-hmm. such an old adage, but it's true. It's like, until you, and I tend to not work with those people because mm-hmm. they're not going to be happy with the result because they're not going to turn into that person, right? I want you to be the best, most effective version of you. And so I want you to not be comparing yourself or trying to strive to be somebody that already exists. I just want you to be fully you. So and, and I, I think there's could- both. That there is both. And I, 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 what I hear and I want to add on to is like, man, it is so much more gratifying and freeing when you know that you are uniquely being you. And when you're like, man, nobody else can be like me because there's literally only one me, right? It's just me. That's so much more freeing to me than trying to be like somebody else. Yeah. It's funny. And I don't think the, I don't think the best products are created from the place of, I want to be like the Coachella of self-help books, right? I want to be right, the biggest, flashiest, coolest thing. Yeah. I think the best products are coming from like, I want to help my immediate community. They're hurting mm. and I know how to show up for them and I know how to bring them some peace or some resolution or some action items. Books are much more grassroots than you'd think. They really start on the organic level. And so trying to, to write a book for the flash is not going to be that you're not going to get to where you're going. Write it for your people first. Write it for you. I love that. Write, write it for you. Write it for the version of you, that, that former self that needed that. And be um, in and service. I, Just be in service. 
be in service. And I, and I, I was going to say something quippy, but it didn't come quick enough. So I'm not even going to pretend like <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> no, it's okay. I was going to say something that I thought was clever. And I was like, shit, I forgot what I was going to say. Anyway, it doesn't even matter. I'll remember it and probably DM you later about it. But anyway, um, are there any final thoughts that you'd like to leave with the audience, you know, just based on what we've talked about, about your potential and, and on the overwhelm and vulnerability and comparison? Like, what do you want to say that that has not been said yet to the person listening right now who's like, man, do I really have what it takes to write a book? Like, do I, you know, do I really have what it takes? Yeah. I mean, I think that everybody has a story worth hearing so I think depending on how that shows up or what you want to do with it or how you want to integrate it into your business, um, there's so much possibility in creating a book. And there's so much, um, you know, there's all the good stuff. There's legacy there. You know, there's just there's so many great components. Like, don't rule yourself out. If you're if you're thinking about it, if it's been this little sparkle in your mind's eye get on the phone. Let's talk about it because I think everyone can do it. And just because you may not identify as a writer, like most people don't Mm -hmm. (laughs) is not a reason to not see it through. Thank you so much, Rochelle. I can't wait for your podcast, Bound and Determined, right? What a clever That's name, by the way. Podcast. Thank you. You're the woman with words. So I'm not <laughs> surprised. That, so Bound and Determined, that's going to be out at the end of February. All yep. episodes will drop. That's great. Um, everyone can find you at Rochelle Fretzen. We'll link everything in the show notes. And then also a way to contact you about your upcoming book proposal um, program coming up. Yeah, yeah. There's a consult um, call request right on my website. So people will that, find it easily. That, that is what I did. I, okay, sorry. I'm about to get into another quick story. But I remember when, you know, you worked with Amanda Kuda, who's a friend of mine here in Austin. She had just posted, I mean, this is how God works. Okay. Amanda posted something on our story about how she had just finished this book proposal coaching program. And I just want to, I'm sharing this story with you guys. You, you all know I have a hard time saying goodbye. Um, but she posted a story about this woman, Rochelle Fretzen. And I just happened to look at it. And I said, who is this? And then I went to Rochelle's uh, profile. And then I it, I saw that she had this book proposal coaching and I, I just clicked on it and it said, you know, schedule a 30 minute or something like that conversation. And I said, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it because the one thing in my mind, the one thing that I have felt uh, up until, you know, October, when is when we started in October, I always felt like, man, I never finished my book proposal. So it was very divine timing. Why did I not hear about you before then? I don't know. I wasn't meant to. (laughs) Oh, I want to remind you of something because I'm not sure you remember this. So we did our 30 minute consult over the phone, which is how I do all my consults. Um, And then you texted me the next day and you said, can we FaceTime? And I go, sure. <laughs> like no one had, had ever asked really? me to do that before off of a consult. And so I was like, sure. And you just, you asked me like two very simple questions and you were just like kind of staring deeply into my eyes and you go, I just needed to see it in your eyes that you believed I could do this. I remember what? it so <gasps> profoundly. Yes, you did. You, you needed the connection of looking into my eyes. And, and you said to me, I needed to see it in your eyes that you, that you believed I could uh. do this. Makes me want to cry. I, why do I say things like this? I had no idea that I. I remember FaceTiming you. Yeah. I don't remember what I was probably in my own little like trance. Like I don't even remember like oh, my trance. I had no idea. I didn't know I said that. To you're like you. I was sold before, but now I'm really sold. She's like you're like I just needed to look into your eyes and know that like you were the real deal and you believed I could do this. It oh was very God. cute. That was cute, huh? <laughs> 
Thank you so much for, for reminding me of that. I'm such a cutie. You know, I really, I, I appreciate you entertaining my uh, request to FaceTime. No, but I just, I, you know, I'm glad we're ending on this story because that's the kind of person that you are, right? That you, you obliged by my ridiculous request of wanting to FaceTime and you, and you gave that to me. And I really, really appreciate that. So thank you. You are welcome. All right, everyone. Well, um, thank you so much for tuning in. Rochelle, thank you so much for being here on another episode of the Being Human with Vasavi podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Being Human with Vasavi podcast. For even more inspiration and motivation to be the person you were born to be, grab my free guide on the 10 must-have habits of ultra-confident women over at vasavikumar.com forward slash guide. If you got some golden nuggets from today's episode, which I have no doubt you did, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast and leave a heartfelt review. And remember, when you know yourself, you can be, do, and have anything you want. If you love today's episode, then say it out loud. Subscribe, leave a review, and come say hi over on Instagram at my name is Vasavi. Until next time, say it out loud.